welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. We have something a little different for you this week. One of the best backyard pitmasters in the country recently jumped up to the pro division and made a lot of noise while he was there. This is a fun podcast with a really great guy. So please join me in welcoming to the podcast and to the pro division, Steve Dotson from DQ'd Barbecue. While you're enjoying this podcast, please share it out on your social media. Also be sure to like the podcast on the service of your choice. Every little bit helps. Thanks and enjoy the show. All right, so anything you say now will be forever on the record. I appreciate the warning. <laughs> so we are here today on the OVS Pitmaster podcast with uh, someone who I've met pretty recently in my life, but who's become a uh, very good friend of mine, a trusted, confident, a mentor in a lot of ways. But this is Steve Dotson from DQ Barbecue, also known as the Cookout Coach on YouTube. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing all right, Luke. How are you this morning? I'm great, man. I'm great. So uh, we just spent a nice, lovely weekend together. Yeah. No, other than the wind, it was beautiful. Yeah. Other than you nut dragging me two days in a row, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you showed me how to do it at certain points. So uh, you knew what was coming. You knew what the potential was, at least. I I have always known that it's been coming because you're an amazing cook and you do a great job. I just didn't expect it, it to happen your first time out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was but, that was a little surprising to me and Johnny as well. Yeah, so uh, for those of you that don't know, Steve has been a backyard cook for three years. Is that right? Three or four years? Yeah, three years. I mean, technically, we only did two contests in 2018, but uh, yeah, I, I count that as three years. We started learning at that point, so I, I, you know the record starts. Yeah. To rewind a little bit, so Steve came and cooked with me down at the Whistle Stop competition in Alabama, and we were hanging out with uh, Lee Hickel and and Brad from Getting Basted a while, and uh, Brad kept calling Steve Backyard Steve, and. Uh, making fun of him and stuff for <clears throat> cooking backyard contests. So uh, Steve decided to jump to the pros and did so this past weekend in Galax, Virginia, which, man, number one, super proud of you for doing that. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a huge step. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I, um, there were certain things, certain contests that existed were the only reason I was hanging around in the backyard for as long as I did. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for letting me come and, and help you at Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I think when Brad figured out that I had six backyard GCs, uh, the gloves came off and, and I became backyard Steve. And I, I told you recently, my, my boss's teammate, uh, texted me after the calls on Sunday and said, Hey, good job backyard Steve. So I'm pretty sure that's stuck now. <laughs> yeah. Brad was like, I, I didn't want to say anything cause I didn't want to make fun of him. I'm like, Nope, go after him. Let's get it. Yeah. Let's get him up. Yeah, he uh, apparently had no idea what you tell me on the regular. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, he so Brett, uh, Steve here cooked this weekend in Galax, and I was very, very pleased to be sitting next to him when he got his first call ever. Then in the next category, he got his first category win ever, <laughs> and then got his first top 10 ever. And then the next day, he won the brisket category, which... To me, we'll get into that a little later. And finished third overall. And it was just such a pleasure to be around that and to 
to see your reactions and Johnny's reaction. Johnny's your brother, uh, and uh, he's a lot of fun. And just to see your your guys' faces, and uh, I normally don't talk this much on this, but I'm just super excited for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was awesome. I, I so Travis, um, a buddy from Golden Blue Barbecue, he texted me yesterday. He goes, "Has it sunk in yet?" And I went, "Yeah, I think so." And then I started rambling off a whole bunch of stupid ideas about it and i was like well you know what i guess it really hasn't sunk in because this still feels fake like even though i was glad that we had the opportunity to have two days in a row but so for a little validation but it still feels like a little bit of imposter syndrome at this point not at all now you're in the big leagues pal it's uh (laughs) it's pretty exciting and you know i you know when you've done this for as long as we've done it you sit there at awards and you start Normally, you'd like to count your own finishes and you're doing math and seeing, trying to figure out where you're going to land overall. And once I was out of the game, I started doing your math. And I walked over to you and I said, I was like, you're either first, second, or third, dude. Depends on how it shakes out. Depends on the gaps. And you were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you know, especially with you know, you weren't in the running until you won brisket and brisket is the biggest differentiator in terms of score, because that's where the gap from first to like fifth is the longest. Right. So when you won that, I was like, uh Oh, we're like, we're in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I knew that about the gaps uh, with brisket being the big decider, but I didn't know. I didn't realize ribs and chicken were so close. I figured with two eighths in that, but I was too far behind. I, I was still thrilled. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was like, oh man, we got a sixth place overall the day before. We might break top five today. We might be fifth. But when you came over and said that, like, the wheels just started spinning in my head. I was like, there's no way in our second comp ever that we RGC this thing, or you know, third place was that was that was just amazing. I don't, I, yeah, I guess I'm still not over it. No, and uh, you know what that. I remember our first uh, contest where we got our first calls. It was in Louisa, Virginia in 2013, and I'll never forget it. You never forget that that first call up to the stage, and you're like, and it's an expensive call up to the stage as well. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get into it because you're, you're, you're now on the big stage, and this is so much fun because I've wanted to do this podcast for a long time and we, but we needed the right, you know, the right circumstance. And I was, I've been waiting for you to go pro for a long time because you're such a great cook, you know, and you're a great student. That's the one thing that I think we should start with, you know, in terms of getting information in and processing it, you seem to have a knack for that what's what's one of the some of the things that you've done that have really helped you up your game a couple of things one is is uh you know because i I message you constantly about it and i used to always start with hey sorry to bother you but i i practice not as much as some people i've heard say they practice but in the off season i'm usually practicing something at least once a week and i cook a lot and just to the point of at our at our first contest in urbana this year when everything was done you told me you said i'm kind of worried about you and I said why he said well because when it comes time to go pro you practice too much and wagyu briskets are expensive and I said I know um 
so that that's the biggest thing is just putting in the work but the other thing is you know growing up like a lot of us uh yeah i played a lot of competitive sports and i was always very coachable you know it's it's one thing if if i'm stupid because i don't know but once you tell me if i choose to remain stupid that's that's a choice that that hurts after a while so you learn to stop doing that when you play competitive sports so basically uh the the two things that have happened to me that have made the biggest change in how I cook and how I handle myself in the contest is uh, you and I became friends. Uh, I don't know if you knew that was going to happen or not, but I sort of willed that to happen. And you came down and did a, a backyard class for me uh, at the house. And, and, you know, we've been in contact a lot and I, I bounce a lot of stupid ideas off of you and you tell me if they're stupid or if they might work. Um, and the other thing is I took, before that ever happened, I took a class uh, from Barbecue Champs Academy of Corey Mike's. And that sort of set like that, that sort of level set my flavor profiles. And he did some things in there that just showed me how to check for tenderness before you and I talked that got me on the right track. And then sort of you were able to help me fine tune those things in person. So those two things together, really, like at this point, I'm a little bit afraid to take more classes because I don't want to muddy the waters too much. And that's something that everyone can be guilty of. You know, it's it's something that you have to be able to take somebody else's situation and their what they cook on and everything and see things that they do, but then figure out how that applies to your cook. And it's a really tough thing. Like a lot of people think that they can just say, I'm gonna take this rub and put it with this this injection and this sauce and you know because all these three things have worked in three different circumstances that's not the case right Right. and then on top of that as you know i'm a habitual cooker changer and i'm pretty sure you've called me out on this podcast without actually saying my name true Uh, but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that i have a problem with that like god forbid i would have stayed with the same cooker for all this time but no i've literally changed cookers every single season although after this last weekend, these little charcoal gravities kind of have a special place in my heart. Absolutely. Uh, and they always should, you know, but in a couple of years, you'll get bored and you'll. <laughs> it's it's kind of what I do. It's a problem. Or char griller or come out with something else. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this question I've been dying to ask you because. I know that you have a lot of habits, rituals, and routines that you've established for yourselves when self when you're competing. So one of my favorites is the one that I'm involved with. Whether you're <laughs> cooking somewhere or I'm cooking somewhere or we're both cooking in the same place, if there's not an early morning text that says good luck fucker, then the day it isn't gonna go right. And uh, I think I started that. Did I well, say it first? So, so I was thinking about that this morning. This is how it started. You, it was after the class down here. It was me and, and Travis from Golden Blue, another backyard team. And you referred to us as your fuckers at Urbana. When, when awards were running a little long, you might have gotten a little too deep into the Elijah Craig. You came over and you threw your arms around us and you whispered in a low, growly voice, you guys are my fuckers. Um, so then I believe it was the North Carolina comp this year. Um, you also gave Matt Barber a lap dance waiting for those awards to start in Urbana, but, uh, did not, that did not happen. <laughs> uh, I believe it, 
uh, we'll, we'll check the record. But I believe in North Carolina when you GC'd this year, early morning, I sent you a text that said, good luck, fucker. And after that, that was in uh, that was in Somerville. Yeah, that's where yep. I am this week. Yeah, I'll make sure to send you the text. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so after that happened, because even though I don't want to be, I'm, I'm extremely superstitious when it comes to this. Uh, the next Friday night before one of your comps, I asked you, hey, do you want me to send you a text in the morning? And you replied, you better. So it's just been a thing. So what else is there? I know there's lots of other things, dude. Oh, God. So I, I honestly tried to get away from some this year, and I started losing. So, you know, there's proofs in the pudding there. But, I mean, there's, there's so many, Luke. It starts with when I leave my house, uh, about 10 minutes down the road is the gas station where I fill up. When I stop at that gas station, Johnny fills up. I go inside. I get uh, – there's a two-for-one 7-Eleven random brand of bottle of water. I get two home industry – hot pepper cheese pepperoni rolls which if people aren't from our area pepperoni roll i can't explain it to you just if you're ever, ever in a gas station go ahead luke oh pepperoni rolls dude like so being i'm down in i'm down in charleston south carolina right now and i'm staying with my friend leanne who's from wheeling west virginia originally and last night watching the baseball game she's cracking out pepperoni rolls in the oven it's super amazing yeah so if you're ever at a gas station and they have pepperoni rolls the way you pick which one to get is you get the one that looks like it's just in a Ziploc bag with like stenciled letters on it. That's going to be the best one. So where I'm at, that's, that's a company called home industries. Uh, I get two hot pepper cheese ones and I get two, they're like strawberry and cream uh, croissant things. So it covers breakfast, covers lunch and it covers water on the trip. Those three things have to come with me out of that gas station every time. When I get to a comp, the, it's the same dinner every time it's a, uh, uh, jalapeno cheddar bratwurst with oliverio peppers on it which again if you're not from here oliverio peppers are hot peppers in like a marinara sauce um, with provolone cheese on them and a bag of Doritos you gotta have a bag of Doritos and you gotta eat them the night before um, <laughs> I usually have it's not part of my ritual but it's just because I like it I usually have a bourbon and sweet tea that evening just because it's delicious uh, I always wear the same I have like two or three pairs of shorts that are winners. So they get worn. Same hat. Uh, I do the 922 toast with the backyard group. And that happened by accident. Um, mainly, it started because Johnny and I just didn't feel like going to the 922 toast back when we were backyarders because we were backyarders. Then other people saw me doing it. So the backyarders started coming to my tent. And I'm pretty sure it's a ripoff of T-Max toast. Um, but I do it. And if I don't do it, we don't score well. Uh, literally this weekend, Travis was down. He was the only one that came down. So I changed it in a little bit for him and I. And uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm not going to get into the specifics there because that's, that's um, you know, proprietary information, but it worked very well. Uh, it involved brisket. I mean, we have to listen to Pandora's 90s, 90s country on the way home. Then the, the two most recent things are probably the good luck fucker text with you. And every morning, Dave Murphy makes the most delicious Bloody Marys. And I got to have one of those. They are spectacular, uh, the Bloody Mary from Dave Murphy. And, I mean, I recently got added into that rotation. And now I take Bloody Mary stuff. And if I, he's not there, I make one. But now I need, I see that all of you have your own special cups. And 
I, I, I have to graduate somehow. I don't know if I need to buy Dave something or give him a back rub or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I see these special cups now and I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how exactly that happened. Uh, but yeah, I, Johnny and I both have a special West Virginia cup with our name on it. And that's Dave's way of, if you don't bring the cup back, you don't get any more. So, you know, if, if your cup's there, he'll fill it up. But if it's not, you're out of luck. Bring it back. I always take my red moonshine cup back because I don't want to go cross with pops, you know, no. and he's I don't a, want to not get my Bloody Mary. That's what he's uh, he's got whatever you need. If something goes wrong, like outside of the cook, he's probably got it to fix it. So you want that guy in your corner and he makes delicious Bloody Marys. And he's from West Virginia. So that makes him awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you touched on music a little bit. Is there what's on during the cook do you guys listen to music while you're cooking or is it pretty pretty silent so i don't usually turn on music during the cook usually i'm close enough to somebody who's playing something that it's all good and i'm pretty music agnostic i can get down on pretty much anything but i do have a random playlist that i play all week up to the competition i guess this is still a superstition i listen to the whole thing multiple times through all week while i'm trimming while i'm driving to work while i'm driving to go pick up stuff it's just got everything on it. Like uh, Lim from Lim's Meat Varnish came over during a double rib cook this year. And, and I was by myself and nobody's playing music. So I had it on. He goes, Steve, is, is that Fetty Wap playing? And I was like, yeah, man. It's, uh, I mean, it goes from that to, to Luke Combs. To, uh, there's Eric Church on there. There's rando stuff like Lizzo's on there because uh, good as hell just gets you in the right mood. Uh, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of random stuff on there. I can't. It's like panic at the disco stuff. It's, it's, it's all, so it's all either centered around getting yourself in the right mindset. Cause like, again, back to that competitive sports thing, I'm, I'm fine losing. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when a grown man can't take a loss, but I don't ever show up. It sounds terrible, but I, if when people ask me and we really want to know, I tell them, I, I don't show up and I don't think anybody ever should to set up to take second place in anything like I'm coming to win. If I lose, that's fine, but we're not going to go with that mindset. So everything on that playlist is either to get in that mindset or it's something that's attached to a memory about uh, barbecue. Like for instance, we, we did the shade tree at the Jack. So I've got several songs on there that, you know, are about Jack Daniels or I remember specifically from that trip. So it's that kind of stuff. The Jack Daniels. That's funny that, because you got to go to the Jack in 2018. Yeah, that was uh, so to be clear, it's it wasn't the big one. It was the shade tree. Um, I don't want to trigger anybody with that one, but it was the shade tree. Uh, and it was my second ever competition. And if people that didn't know the shade tree was just a pure lottery draw. So you threw your name in your hat. They might pick you. They might not. But yeah, our second ever competition, we got to go cook the Jack Daniel shade tree. And that was one of the coolest things I've got to do without knowing all the cool stuff I was supposed to do. This cracks me up. Expand. Okay. (laughs) So we went down there. Um, We showed up a day early. So we got down, we rented an RV out of like Franklin, Tennessee, which is like an hour away. Um, Showed up uh, on Thursday and we walked around the town square um, which of course nothing's going on until Saturday, uh, but, it's, but it's a neat little place. Uh, we walked around. I saw I saw some of the names I knew, like the barbecue league had just came out, so like 
Brad and Tim and or not not Brad and uh, yeah Brad and Tim and Blaine were like pulled together, and I was like, okay, well, I know who those guys are. I saw Cosmo walk around. I knew Chris Lilly and Keith Rout, but like I didn't know a lot of these people. Um, I remember walking past Boomerang, going, "Oh, that's that's an interesting name." Not knowing at the time, he was like him and Brad were going at it for number one. Um, but yeah, I, so that's pretty much it. I saw people. It felt awesome. I went up on Barbecue Hill for a little bit, but I'm a pretty early to bed guy, so I came down pretty soon. Didn't do Miss Berry Bobos. Didn't get a barrel head with my team name on it. Didn't get a barrel head at all. I was like, yeah, there'll be plenty of time to get swag after the contest. Of course, after the contest, it's all the, the largest and upper sold out, and I'm definitely not a medium or a smaller. Uh, <laughs> didn't get a bottle engraved. Didn't, didn't do the distillery tour. Yeah, it was, it was a hot mess, but it was a lot of fun. It's still one of my favorite stories because, yeah, I was for someone that had waited to go for ten years. I probably spent way too much money on all that shit, but I did, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And it's a special place for sure. Uh, getting to go there is truly an honor. And yeah, well, that's for another episode. But uh, <laughs> yeah, is a is a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a really cool contest. I wanted to go because I figured it was you know, some of the best, I wanted to see it because I knew it was special, but I also assumed it'd be good competition. And that was for up until this year, that was the only contest in the backyard where we didn't get our name called. Um, we had one earlier this year that was, you know, yeah, it happens, but for a long time, that was the only one we finished with like 12th overall and a 12th place chicken. So we were just outside of getting our name called, but didn't. So that one was, uh, that was that was an experience that caused us to get better because you don't want that to happen again. Right. That's always the goal is to hear the name at least once, you know, and I, that is still our goal. Every competition is you can't take anything for granted. You're not just going to walk in and and do well just because you did well the week before. You have to maintain your focus, stay in your lane and do what you need to do. So we've talked a lot about all the great successes of Steve Dotson and DQ Barbecue. Let's talk about some failures. Have you had a failure during a competition that is a favorite failure of yours where you really learned something that has helped you be so successful? Gosh, yeah. So most of my failures to this point have all revolved around being too rigid with a timeline. So, you know, you hear folks like, toughier or you know plenty of other people say that there's a difference between being a technician or whatever you want to call it, somebody who can follow a set of plans and an actual cook and so like I've, I've had it happen a few times this year with chicken and I'm still learning because it got me a little bit this weekend but it just kind of worked out but like my chicken plan is for a long time was purely by time I didn't check temp until I was done but it happened a few times this year where I would, I would get done. I was still messing with learning the new cookers because I got these gravities in the middle of the year. And like, uh, I don't say like an idiot, but uh, like a child, I, I put them into the program just right off the bat. So I was still learning them for, for the, the exact times and temps for the chicken. And there were a couple times where I would get done temp them and knew they were, knew they were, weren't going to bite good. Like they were acceptable. They, the skin bit through, but it was just a terrible bite. But I would keep rolling with it when, in actuality, I always hit the front of the window. So I had 10 more minutes. I could have blistered those things and got them better. But um, 
it, it was, I think it was Welch this year. I just let him go. I was like, you know what? I always score pretty high in chicken. We'll just, we'll run this. It'll be okay. We'll recover in ribs. And I ate it hard, like not DAL, but almost DAL. And from that point, I was like, you idiot. You knew you had extra time. Be a little bit more fluid with things and just let it roll. Yeah, it's great to have a timeline and to have a process, but you have to make those calls and you have to make, you also have to, and I'm very guilty of this too, as a pit master and that I never, ever want to be even close to being late. And so, you know, I'll just be like, all right, hurry up, Kim, do this, do that. Let's get it out the door. And then I look at the clock and I'm like, what? Calm yourself. Like you have seven minutes. It's a minute and a half walk. Why are you rushing her? You're making her uncomfortable and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's no good. Yeah. That's what I'm, so I I try to, I, I guess I, do it uh subconsciously now but i'll get like that and johnny's always good about like i won't even look at the clock i'll have the clock behind me and he'll be standing on the other side of the table and he'll give me the updates on the time and we'll be getting close to done with whatever category and he'll give me the time and i'll think as long as there's more than five minutes yeah i'll, I'll say out loud plenty of time we'll cadillac this thing in and just at that point i slow down a little bit and pay a little bit more attention to what i'm doing usually at that point i'm either finished saucing or or finish placing in the box and slow down try to get a little less sloppy take your picture turn away from it and look at the picture for a little extra time to make sure nothing's super out of place and just slow the whole thing down at that point because that's where i'll retaste a piece of something to see if it needs a little more zing you know do those things right on and that's a good piece of advice for everybody you have to constantly be tasting everything and tasting your food and making sure that it's what you want you know and that it tastes good so yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Let's move on to gear a little bit. This is something I know that is, is something that's very important and very fun to you because a lot of your YouTube videos are reviews of gear and things like that. And uh, by the way, if you haven't checked out the Cookout Coach on YouTube, you need to do so. It's an amazing, it's an amazing site. And you're thinking about my thumbnails right now, aren't you? Oh my God. They're so funny. Um, <laughs> they're great. But at the same time, it, it, it's so funny because when we were in Morgantown, West Virginia, my brother had recently bought a char griller acorn. And whenever I went to his house to help him, he said, you know, he goes, I've been watching this guy on YouTube and it was you. <laughs> and and it was funny because you came over to our site in Morgantown and my brother was sitting there and he goes, oh, my God, it's the cookout coach. <laughs> yeah, that's that's ridiculous. It it happens rarely uh, that someone and it's happened like twice this year. And that was one. And the other time couldn't have been any worse because I was walking with Dave Dick, who, uh, you know, loves to loves to poke the bear. And literally this guy goes, hey, Steve. And I, I didn't recognize him. I said, hey, buddy. I was like, do I know? No, but I watch the channel. Can I take a picture? And I went, oh, shit. And sure enough, three seconds later, I walk by and I get a buzz in my phone. And Dave had taken a picture of me and the guy taking a picture and posted it to the backyard group chat with all of our buddies. It's like, thanks, Dave. I already feel like an idiot when I do that anyway. So appreciate that. <laughs> That's funny. So. What's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? We are, we are small time 
but uh, the best investment we've ever made was, oh man, I want to say the trailer. We, we run in a little six by 12 trailer, so our stuff doesn't get wet going there. But honestly, more than that is a cooker that you're comfortable with maintaining temperatures on. And I don't care what it is, because like, for instance, I said, I, I've changed cookers a bunch of times. And at one point in time, I had a small offset, but when it gets to hopping the way small offsets worked, small firebox, you've got to stay on top of them. Realistically, that was a poor choice for me because I was paying attention to other stuff. So, you know, at that point, um, I built a, I built a cube because it's like a big cabinet cooker can hybrid thing, but I ran it off the fan because I could trust it at that point. And once I freed myself up, um, suddenly everything else got much tighter and it was worth that trade-off. Yeah. And, and that makes a big difference. I've cooked on the cube one time and, uh, <laughs> it's a great little, great smoker. Uh, it's dangerous. Well, like, only if you don't know how to work the lid. Right. It could chop your arm off if you're, yeah. not, if you're not. But it is a neat neat cooker. But, yeah, having that, making sure that you can maintain the right temperatures is so important. Yeah. Now, the, the question for the best, the absolute best bang for your buck investment I've ever made, I don't think anybody's ever said this on your podcast, but four two-foot sections of PVC pipe to raise your table up. I'm... I feel like I'm probably one of the minority here cooking not in a trailer these days, but if you're not and you're still cooking on tables, you got to raise that table up because I'm 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 a large man and being bent over for that long, that back is just not going to hold up. It definitely wouldn't held up this weekend. So to get it up to where you can stand up straight and do everything, that was the game changer. And it took me like seven comps before I finally remembered to buy those stupid things. But once I did, everything got so much better. When I'm cooking under a pop-up, if I forget those, it's the worst situation. I drive to Lowe's and get more. Yeah. <laughs> so there was there was one time in 2019 where I I went to a contest without ribs trimmed. And so I'm standing there on a table without that stuff, trimming. And by the end of it, like I have my I'm doing as much of a split as I possibly can to lower my body to that table just because my back can't do it anymore. Basically, it was the worst experience ever. Like, it was just terrible. But, I mean, as Kung Fu Panda, you should be able to accomplish such a maneuver. I, I didn't think about that, but, yeah, that was the most Kung Fu Panda thing I've ever done in a contest. That was uh, a new nickname that was assigned to Steve this weekend because he just reminds me of Poe from Kung Fu Panda because he's always smiling and, and just happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so would you say the table legs are your the purchase of $100 or less that's most positively impacted you? You got any more? That one is great. Let's see. Yeah, no, that's... I've, I've heard other people say the cotton gloves. The cotton gloves are the biggest game changer at first in barbecue. And then if you're ever prepping or working on anything outside, the table legs are the number two. Like, just straight up, those are the best things you can possibly buy in barbecue. No, I would agree. The cotton gloves underneath the, the nitrile gloves, it's a game changer because there's huh. nothing more trustworthy than your hands. Yeah. And protecting them and grabbing shit without them is painful. I did that again this weekend. It's not good. <laughs> so when, when we were cooking the, the shade tree back in 18, I wasn't thinking about it. I just had the cottons on. I was like, I don't need nitrils. And I was back then I was separating the money muscle from the pork butt and I was checking to see if they were done and they were done, but I had it like a little bit unwrapped. And so I pick it up and move it to the table. 
Well, the juice had soaked into that cotton glove. And of course, at that point, you can't get it off. So I was basically napalming my fingers. So if, even if you don't think you need the nitriles on the cottons when you go into to grab something, go ahead and put them on because if it gets into that cotton, you can't get it off fast enough. Right. It's basically melting your skin. It's terrible. Yeah. Let's talk about people. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? I mean, so the first person that comes to mind is um, is is Myron Mixon because not he had a successful competition career. You know, it's debatable whether he is the winningest is the winningest man in competition barbecue or not. I guess it depends on what sanctuary bodies. But he parlayed that into such the business side of things that it's to me that one's hard to argue. Now, if you want to talk about just just barbecue competitions, I mean, Brad is making a pretty darn good uh, argument for himself coming up on a third team of the year. Travis was just had an incredible win ratio. Um, I'll say Darren, but you, on the last episode, I heard you say you got tired of people saying Darren. Um, but Darren and Tuffy, obviously. I never Darren. said that. I just said everybody <laughs> says Darren. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that's – but, yeah, I think overall, like, if you had to pick just one, Myron still sells out cook schools like every single month now. And like, it's a business. And and when he comes back and decides to play in competitions, he's still pretty darn effective if you give him enough time. So I don't know. I, I think he's pretty darn successful. Absolutely. So when you have a barbecue issue, whose counsel do you seek to help you fix that problem? Oh, I call you big daddy. <laughs> uh, I, I usually call you first. Occasionally, I, I will text Corey uh, from Fat Boys. Uh, I try not. I hate to bother people is my thing, and, and you know this. And the only reason I, I text you as much as I do now is because you told me what bothers you more than, than me bothering you was me saying, I'm sorry I'm bothering you. You're just too nice. You're the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, so, so you, I text Chris Shriver from Brother Uncle. He's, he's been cooking with Childs this year, but, but he's, he's, started, he's sort of been uh, one of the guys I go to since I started. Like, he was right in front of me at my first competition and he was full of a lot of, a lot of helpful information. Um, I'll talk to Charles occasionally. And uh, I talked to, to Lee Thompson and actually sort of de- depends, but sometimes on the regular from pig chick a cow cow, even though they're not competing anymore. He and I were on a, a barbecue show on Facebook two years ago. I was the YouTube guy. He was the competition guy. And uh, he made the mistake of saying, Hey, if you need anything, just let me know. So I started picking his brain, <laughs> but a very nice person. I always, always takes the time to answer my stupid questions like you do. So yeah, th- those are pretty much the, the folks that I go to if I have a question. So what's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Uh, this weekend? I'm pretty sure this weekend is the answer. <laughs> that can't no. be the answer, man. You've built an entire, you talked about people that have been successful in barbecue and I would put you in that list. <laughs> so it, a surprising thing just out of barbecue is, is the fact that we have built, although it's sort of small, we've built a, a following on the internet. Um, and so that's, that's yeah. I, what surprised me about that is that I have friends who have tried to do the same thing and produce what I would consider better quality content that somehow just can't grab traction. And somehow we have grabbed some traction. So, yeah, that, that surprises me every time I think about it. Um, the other thing really is I didn't come into barbecue looking to make any friends. I wasn't looking not to, but but we have 
what we call the, the border brothers, which is a group of, a group of guys from West Virginia and Virginia. And then we have a, a larger group of the mid Atlantic backyard guys from, you know, PA and, and Maryland, a group of, there's probably 20 of us that are extremely close now. Um, and then we've extended that down to backyarders in Alabama. So like for backyarders that don't travel very much, I have a lot of, I always tell people, you've got your work friends that you hang out with because you work with them. And then you've got the people you hang out with outside of work. And all the people I hang out with outside of work now are barbecuers from somewhere in the country. And that's kind of surprising. It's pretty cool too, though, you know, to have that network. And we've been lucky to have been a part of a couple of your guys' backyard events and stuff and very gracious for you guys, including us. And I really think the key to competition barbecue succeeding is getting you guys into the pro division i really think that 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 is a huge huge thing moving forward that i really think can help level off the the attrition that we're experiencing right now and maybe even put barbecue back up on the rise yeah i um one one thing like not a whole lot of things bother me but one thing that bothers me is I hear, I, I love podcasts. I listen to your podcast whenever it comes out and everybody has the same answer. When you go, what's missing from barbecue? They all go, well, there's not camaraderie anymore. Everyone's in the trailer. And then some of them are, are at least honest enough to go, but I'm not giving up my trailer. But like, we used to have potlucks and this, that, and the other. And the whole time I'm listening to this, I'm like, if you would just come, like Luke has been to at least two of our backyard potlucks. And then absolutely after that, we all, yeah. I mean, we're all, I mean, we have trailers granted they're usually cargo trailers, but we have a trailer, but we hang out with each other. Um, you know, till we don't get crazy. We still, we take competition very seriously in the backyard or you know, I guess I did when I was in the backyard that those days are over, but wow. the, rest, the rest of the guys take it. You told me I can't go back. The, <laughs> it's very serious, but I mean, we still hang out, you know, till at least a, some hour. Now, some of them, hang out all night and, and score very well still, but I'm, I'm sort of a, an early sleeper, but we, we talk to each other constantly. We, we go there to see each other. That camaraderie is there. It's just, you got to look for it. You got to be part of it. Got to, I guess you got to be the change, right? Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. So what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to enter the world of competition barbecue? So you got to, first of all you got to do it if you want to be successful you got to practice like get some information there's plenty of information out there wherever you want to get it practice show up and the biggest thing though is talk to people because like i said we we have like i have a large group of of friends that that we all talk to each other about this and i don't know that any of us really hold much secret back from each other because we're all well aware that we're all pretty much running the same stuff and it's all in your technique and how you cook it. And we, we understand that. And I'm sure you guys understand that. I'm assuming my network will hopefully it's going to expand to some more master series teams here shortly. But yeah, if you go and you talk to these, talk to anybody, tell them where you're struggling, we're going to help you out. And then, like I said, before you know it, I've always heard about this mythical group chat that, that exists with a lot of these master series teams. Uh, the, the, we have a same thing in the mid Atlantic with some really high scoring granted the two meat cooks, but two meat cooks where if you have an issue, we'll square you away. Literally 
day one of their banda this year, I was walking back with, um, with Debo, who right now is probably the hottest backyard cook in the country. And he goes, oh, man, chicken was terrible. Uh, it was dark. And so we're walking back, and the whole two minutes back, I'm trying to help him, like, debug what happened today in his chicken, knowing that he's pretty much my number one competitor there. Then he, he proceeds to win chicken like a real dick. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, just, that's how we roll. He's having an issue, and I'm going to try to help him figure it out. He's another one that he's got to make the jump. He's uh, it's time. It's time. He's he's really good. Super nice guy. Like, you know, you want to dislike him, but you can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't you do can't. it. <laughs> what advice should the new cook ignore? I don't know if you should ignore it, but take with a grain of salt any finishing temperature somebody tells you, because it's all going to be so highly dependent on how you cook and what you cook on pay attention to it because it'll get you in the ballpark, but you've got to do the work and figure out what temperature your pit actually finishes a piece of meat at. Cause that's going to be your pit plus your, your technique. And if you blindly follow what somebody tells you who's hot and fast and you're low and slow, still you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. And it's, I, I mean, we're all guilty of that. You know, you get frustrated and you get a piece of advice and you're like, Oh, I'm going to do that. And, you know, you just have to stay in your lane and keep yourself grounded, yeah. really. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, man, just the biggest thing I would a new team is trust your system. Even even when I was like seven or eight comps in, I would be there and I would know my ribs don't go on until eight o'clock. And I would see people putting their ribs on at like seven thirty or seven. And you start to get the butterflies and you go, Oh man, am I doing this wrong? Am I screwing this up? Do I need to do but just like you got to stay in your lane, you got to run your race. And because if you don't, if you start changing stuff in the middle of it, then it's hard to remember that data to go ahead and make changes after the fact, once you see the final result. Right. That's the most important thing. You got to just stay in your lane mm-hmm. and, and do what you do. Cool, man. Well, this has been fun. Not as yeah. fun as these rapid fire questions are going to be. <laughs> What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Uh, okay. Um, I'm, yeah. So I'll let, yeah, let's go. Uh, so what really annoys me is when let's call them older iconic members of the barbecue community want to jump in and only comment whenever people are talking about backyard stuff and sort of just deuce all over it. It's like, you're the same people who want to tell me that you're missing camaraderie. And I told you there's camaraderie in the backyard and it's coming up. And in the mid Atlantic, I'm probably one of the first ones to come out of the big group that we have, but there's going to be three or four more next year. And we're going to start replacing that attrition, like you said. So how about, you know, if, if you're an iconic name or you're a represent representative of a big, you know, piece of competition barbecue, how about you just, you know, try to help foster that growth instead of trying to be a jerk and talk about how backyard, you know, you're not the same as a pro cook. You're, you know, you're a Ford or a Buick versus a NASCARs. If we're not, if you're telling me we're that far apart, I don't believe I can ever get there. So how about you don't do that? That's a great point. That's a great point. We might've covered this one with your extensive list of gas station food. Yeah. Uh, but do you have a favorite post-competition meal? So 
post-competition meal more often than not is Subway actually. And honestly, I think a lot of that's just born out of most of the backyard competitions have us going up 68. And when you come back down 68, right before you hit Cumberland, which anybody who knows Cumberland really sucks to drive through right before you get there, there's a pilot with a subway in it. So we stop, we get fuel and we get subway and it's, it's not a salad, but it's kind of lighter. It's kind of cool and a little refreshing. It's, it's good. And it has vegetables on it. That's the one thing that I always want after a competition. <laughs> yeah. Got to have it. Um, except for this past weekend, we made Lee Hickle by dinner on Sunday night. And we got a crap ton of chicken wings that were, yeah, they oh, were inter- oh, interesting. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? <laughs> so if it's honestly, the it's going to sound terrible, but I like to give people barbecue and yeah, obvious. I know, but it, if you really think about it, when you first learn to barbecue, you suck at the beginning, right? And when you finally get to the point where you're pretty good and you can cook, something that you would get in say your favorite restaurant or better you you instantly invite everybody over to share that with them well then as comp barbecue cooks we kind of get a little jaded on our stuff right you take a bite of chicken and it's amazing in the general scheme of things but you're like this isn't going to score well today this is terrible well take take last year with covid not seen anybody this year at starting at haggerstown in the spring i had like six co-workers come out and I didn't have a great cook that day. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. And I fed them this food because so I was like, yeah, I got leftovers. Here you go. And they were, I don't want to say blown away because that sounds kind of jerky, but, but they, were, they were really happy to have that barbecue. And I got to think about it. I was like, this is something they can't really get anywhere. They're in, you know, there's not a whole lot of barbecue around. They can't get this somewhere. This is something special that, you know, I just spent hours making and, until I do it again, they're not going to have it again. So it's, there's something really special to me just about sharing that, that food, something you've put that much time and, and love into. And I just, that's really fun to me. That, that sort of put it all back into perspective for me of why I started cooking barbecue was to share it with people like that. No, that's pretty cool, dude. Uh, that's, I, I do the same thing. It's, uh, it brings me joy to watch somebody just go crazy over a piece of food. So it's, yeah. it's good for them, but it's self selfishly, it makes me feel better about myself. So <laughs> I get that. If you could have a giant billboard somewhere with a message on it, getting the message out to millions of people, what would it say and why? I'd probably say something stupid, like, uh, like calm down or take a nap because everybody just all the time. That's going back to our, our buddy, Dave Dick. He loves to just, trigger people and set them off and get them in a frenzy. And then in the background, he and I'll be talking and be like, this is so dumb. Why does this person even care? And I was like, I don't know, Dave, I don't know why you like to do that, but you do. It's like, just, just calm down, take a breath. This is, this is not important at all. Nothing important is happening here. And especially with the cesspool that is social media right now, everybody's mad all the time. Just calm down, go take a nap. <laughs> calm down, take a nap. Words of advice from Backyard Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, and I usually only ask this one because of, of people that I'm really close to, what's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? 
doesn't um, have to be barbecue related. Yeah. So probably I don't know if it's that absurd. I don't think it's absurd, but when I I love pickles, but even more than that, I I love pickle juice. So I will try to eat pickles in the pickle jar, but then like secretly, so my wife doesn't see me, so I'm not ashamed. I drink the pickle juice, but I only drink the pickle juice down to the amount of pickles that I've eaten so that it doesn't look too suspicious. So I, I drink my pickle juice in shame, and that's probably a little absurd. That's but like completely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Like when you go to the bar, I'll order a, a pickle back just to get the pickle juice, and they pull out the, the pickle juice bottle. I'm like, man, can I just order that? You just give me that. I'll just sip on it all night. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, thank you for taking the time. Welcome to the pro division. And I hope thank that you. I hope that your success this weekend inspires a bunch of other people to jump up because we need you. We need you in the pro division and we need the enthusiasm. We need the camaraderie. We need all of that back up this way. Super proud of you again. Tell people where they can find you online. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Um, yeah, so if you want to find me online, the easiest place is to go to YouTube and, and search for Cookout Coach. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, and I'm also on Instagram. If you ask me questions any of those locations, I'll generally get back to you. If you have a question you really want me to answer, hit Facebook or Instagram because, um, honestly, at this point, the YouTube comments are they're, they're tricky to keep them all in check. But if you actually have a question, I'll do everything I can to help you out for sure. And, Luke, thanks for having me on here, man. It's been awesome. Absolutely, dude. Thank you. And I uh, can't wait to see you again soon. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have another episode for you next week. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. Yes, Old Virginia Smoke.